Hi folks, this is your instructor, Dr. Ben Pundit. Welcome to week two. Congratulations, you survived the week one. Now moving on to week two. So week week two um, is one of the daunting tasks. Um, one of the daunting uh, information that you have to learn. And a lot of this, um, especially with, with this week, um, a lot of students actually have problem with this this section because it's kind of so foreign things that you actually don't see on a daily basis unless you work in a research field or work with immunologist. For, for the most part, you won't see this and you won't usually have to deal with it. Um, so what I would recommend with this, um, a lot of people actually trying to read and trying to understand uh, and have a hard time understanding the concept, just understanding the information that you have because there's so much information. So my recommendation to you is trying to understand the bigger picture first, trying to understand things from a macro perspective, like stepping back and seeing the whole picture and then dive into those pictures. Once you understand the process, once you know the character, or these uh, immune system so that's what I what what that's what I would recommend for you to do okay uh, also I would recommend looking at my um, cheat sheet or not cheat sheet but uh, a, a key terms that you should know from this chapter okay those key terms uh, I want you to print them out and then as you listen to this video uh, I want you to kind of go over them write them down in your own word in your own term so you understand them better okay so understanding in order for you to understand immune system really well you have to understand the bigger picture and then go deep into the smaller details okay in order for that to work okay okay without further ado let's get to it okay let's get to it and see what you come up with okay so to start off with immunity, immunity actually divided into two sections, two categories. So, and you know what? Um, from this point on, I'm going to skip. I'm not going to use the PowerPoint that you have because I don't really like those PowerPoint. It's just so dry, too boring. So I created my own PowerPoint. So I want you to kind of follow this video by looking at my PowerPoint instead. Okay, so immunity, immune system, uh, create kind of divided into two sections. This is kind of general concept. You just need to understand these concepts. One, we call it innate, innate. Uh, so the word innate, just think of like something that you're born with, like you actually am born with this thing. You, you come out from your mom with this thing. So this is innate. Whereas you have adaptive or acquire, adaptive acquire. So this is something that you, as you grow along, as you uh, become season on this planet, you actually kind of pick up a few things and you learn a few things as you acquire them, okay? So think of in terms of diseases and things like that as you acquire them. So what's the difference between these two, okay? So what's the difference between these two? For innate, you think of feverishly fast, feverishly fast. So think of something that uh, is come on quickly. It's a cute kind of thing. So if you have a bug coming in um, into your system, you might get infection right away. 
it may take a few min minutes um, a few hours for you to actually see the symptoms right away uh, you may have fever because that innate response uh, something attacking you and you're trying to kill it by increasing the temperature of your body okay so innate just also remember the term non-pacific non-pacific so think of these guys like your immune system just kind of killing people left and right um there's no pacific person that they're trying to kill so they just kill everyone good guy bad guys they just kill them all there are a few of these folks uh kind of patrol around in your body in your blood that you know when they see any foreign stuff or even sometimes kill kill their own own people as well so uh, so they are non-pacific okay they have no memory cells they don't make memories so they just think of like they have these short-term memory uh 10 second tom kind of folks so they just like oh you knew who are you uh if i don't know you i'm gonna kill you so uh, so that's innate one okay so these guys are also quick respond like i said they are quick they're feverishly fast so they do things very quickly okay we consider them as a first line of defense we're going to go down into different type of defense shortly but they are first line of defense okay so adaptive adaptive uh, is come opposite to innate innate is feverishly fast opposite, uh, opposite to that is delay respond takes a while these are these are folks that are kind of slow think of them if you think of innate uh, like a uh, rabbit or hare uh, the adaptive would be a turtle so really it takes a while so these folk could take days to weeks before they respond to you okay uh, they just uh, they just ghosting you basically they just gone for a while uh, before they respond okay they just ghosting you completely okay so these folks are in opposite to innate these folks are specific they actually uh, very very specific so they know who to kill they know exactly who to kill they not just kill people randomly they know exactly who to go to and who to kill okay they have memory cells these folks remember uh, like oh if you come back if i see you again i will I will hunt you down because I know who you are and if you come back you step this if you foot in my town again uh, I will hunt you down okay so and they are slow respond so delay or slow comparing to innate is fast uh, so they are slow respond long lasting they actually last for a long long time and we're going to talk about all of these okay so keep in mind this is just a general ideas between innate versus adaptive innate versus adaptive now we're going to go into each one we're going to go in and talk about uh, innate um adaptive i want you to think of second line of defense but i don't want to kind of cross that term because that term will come on a little bit later on so these are more like a second or third line of defense these are the the backup guy backup folks so this is this like of in front in inventory uh these are the, the frontline folks this is the backup folks okay uh this is your cavalry that's coming in uh, after uh, these guys cannot um cannot handle it then the cavalry would come in and respond okay so first one first one is innate when we talk about innate 
uh, first line of defense. Think of it like a first bunker, a first uh, line right in our border. This is where we fight wars right on the border. Uh, so this is uh, first line of defense. You have this uh, massive folks roaming around trying to cash uh, very quickly, cash things very quickly. First line of defense kind of break down into two. You could you have chemical versus physical barriers. Chemicals are like your tears, your lysozyme in your tear. It kills bacteria. So lysol, lysozyme. Think of lysol. Lysol kills stuff. So lysozyme kill any bacteria or any things that in your tear. It also you have chemicals that lower your pH in your stomach, in your mouth, in your vaginal canal. All of those uh, is a chemical barrier. Whereas physical is actually actual physical uh, that create barriers like walls. So think of your skin, okay, like your cells, ciliated cell in your throat. Um, you have lining in your GI tract. That's part of it, uh, your physical barrier. Um, goblet cells, and this is one of the things uh, in your trachea that's preventing uh, infection. Bacteria, viruses go down straight down into your lungs. Uh, these actually make a little escalator. If something gets down there, it actually bring it all up, bring it up your trachea all the way out. Okay, so prevent things to go down. Uh, even with that, you you have uh, viruses and disease that actually get down to your lungs. So other stuff like would be coughing, vomiting, all of these are physical barriers that we do. And vomiting could be chemicals as well because of the p lower pH in your stomach as well. Okay, so there's a lot of a lot of these that you actually born with already. You don't need to focusly do anything. Um, your body actually build that barrier from you and your enemy. Okay, so that's innate. The second line of defense is part again. This is the term that I want to want to cross. Uh, second line for innate. This is part of the innate. Still part of the innate. Some of these do crossover to uh, to the ad adaptive or acquire. Okay, so. Uh, part of the second part, aside from the actual barrier in your body, you actually have the immune response, immune response, meaning that your body will produce an immune system to uh, to fight infection. Uh, we talk about we will talk about macrophages, uh, dendritic cells, uh, leukocytes. Uh, we can we're gonna have I'm gonna actually show you in a, a video of complement. I won't cover it in here because it's quite a complex system and there's actually a video on YouTube that explains it really, really well so I want you guys to watch this one. Uh, T-cells, T-cells can be both, T-cell could actually consider, it could be considered as an innate, also considered as a adaptive uh, response and we'll talk more about that. Okay, so um, Macrophage, uh, dendritic cell is considered what we call antigen presenting cell. Antigen presenting cell. We're going to cover that shortly. The other thing that it does with the innate response is vasodilation. Vasodilation. So when I cover uh, how the bacteria comes into your body, you're going to see that vasodilation play out. Something to remember, actually, is really good to know for your for your tests, is histamine reaction. Histamine reaction. This is caused by mast cells. Uh, so when you think of mast cells, this is the mast cells. Mast cells uh, will cause histamine reaction. 
Okay, so put that in your head, mast cells, histamine reaction. Okay, uh, what causes vasodilation? You have PG, prostaglandin, nitric oxide, and also magnesium. All of these actually help dilate your blood vessels. We're going to talk about why in just a second. Why do you need to dilate your blood vessels? Okay. So kind of recapping um, from what, what I just mentioned to you, so between an innate versus adaptive, okay, innate versus adaptive. So we already go into what innate is and what um, what innate actually is. And we're going to go deeper, deeper, kind of see what kind of players uh, do you have with these, okay? So now we're going to go through adaptive. Adaptive, which is acquire, acquire something that you, uh, that you kind of pick up along the way throughout, okay? So there are two sides, and... You know, most textbook and most places on the internet or YouTube, they tend to write it the humoral first and then cell mediated second. Um, but I like to like it, uh, I like to write this way because technically speaking, with the cell mediated, this one is kind of connects to the innate. So if you were to draw like this, you actually, if you draw innate and you divide innate into two, okay, innate into two, uh, you have um, the um, the the first and second line of defense, uh, and then you have the third, which is the adaptive or acquire type respond. The cell mediated, the T cell, is right in the middle between the innate and the adaptive respond. So T cell will be right here, kind of in the middle between innate uh, and adaptive. So T cell can be considered as innate and T cell can be considered as adaptive adaptive as well. So as uh, B cells. Okay, so we're going to cover all of these. Okay, T cells, under T cells you have na na naive T cells. These are, when we say naive, okay, when we say naive, uh, that's mean that they're not prone to, they, that's mean they're not prone to um, environment but rather it actually means that um, they just brand new they actually brand new so just think of like a virgin or inactive uh, okay inactive type of uh, T cells. Same thing with B cells. So you have virgin or inactive B cells, and they go through these things called clonal secre uh, selection, clonal expansion, clonal deletion, um, and then they go into T helper cells, cytotoxic T cell, regulatory T cells, and memory T cells. Humoral. Again, they have B B cells, and then they the B cells produce antibodies. A D, E, G, M, and then it goes to memory B cells. And last but not least, we will talk about natural killer on the separate note. Uh, technically speaking, they're not truly humoral, but they actually work with IgG, and then uh, that's a natural killer. So we'll talk about that. Okay. You're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Dr. P. Um, this is too much. I still have not got anything. I still 
confused. I have no clue what you're talking about. You just start listing all of these things down. I have no clue. Don't worry. Don't worry. Okay. I will explain this in just a few seconds. This will make it a lot clearer. I'm just now listing out the players, characters, okay, characters for you. So when, as you go through this, um, I want you to remember immunology can be fun and can be easily understood. Uh, the reason you had a hard time understanding them because you cannot relate it to them. If you cannot relate it to them, uh, then it's going to be harder for you to understand. So just like any movie, like let's say you go into a, into a theater and you actually watch a movie. Let's say you watch um, Avenger, okay, uh, the end game. Okay, let's say when you come out, okay, the first thing that you really care about is the plot. Okay, if I ask you what is the plot, you should be able to tell me what the plot of the movie is. Same thing with this, same thing with pathology, when you have a difficult concept. Ask yourself, what is the plot? Where is the story here? What kind of story can I make? Okay, what, what is the story there to, to be made? And after you under, after you kind of know the story, you kind of know the beginning, the middle, and the ending, then you could start learning the character each character what they do oh yeah that main character this uh, is that name this name uh thanos um you know iron man so then you start learning about character and what they do what kind of personality they have what kind of function do they have and this is what i want you to do as we as we get along here as we go along with this um trying to think of a bigger plot as i tell you the plot of this think of all these things and i will show you and i will remind you of these and then we're going to go back and look at these characters look at these things and what they do okay and i want you to kind of take note of that okay here we go so let's see these guys in action let's see what happened in your in your real life okay so here we go so first you have the invasion you have invasion let's say uh, again uh, you have a little tiny cut you start bleeding you have a tiny cut on your arm okay so look look deep into it now the bacteria start creeping in again if you remember from our first slide here we go our first slide is on the bottom there you could see in the first line of defense so your skin your skin is what type of barrier if you say physical, that's great. Yes, your skin is a physical barrier. Once your skin is compromised, once your skin is compromised, then we have to go through the second line of defense. Second line of defense, right? Second line of defense. So this is so this is the blood vessel right here. This is the blood vessels. You have the cut here. Oh, pretend this is the cut here. Right, little cut on your arm. You have these uh, bacteria start creeping in inside your body. These bacteria creeping in. And one thing about bacteria is, if you have a few, maybe you know, a few hundred, a few thousand, it's not that bad. You know, it's actually gonna die by itself eventually. Um, so don't have to worry too much about if it's if it is in a few number. But the problem is these bacteria, when they start replica replicating, when they start doubling it up, okay? So this is, we're gonna go into the second line of defense, second line of defense. So the problem becomes when these bacteria start doubling up, you could see them start to double up, okay? That's become a problematic to the host, okay? So 
bacteria, anything, anything foreign that's coming into your body, we call it pathogen or antigen. Okay, just remember those terms. Antigen, okay, antigen, okay, antigen. So just think of it like anti-genetic, anti-you. Genetics mean you, like you, as a person. So it's anti-you. So it's not truly you. Some it's someone else, something else that not doesn't belong in your body. So that's what antigen is. Okay. A lot of people tend to get that term confused with the antibodies. Antibody and antigen are two different terms, and actually they do opposite things one is uh, something that you produce is something that your body produce and the other one is something bad that's coming into your body okay so don't get that confused antigen bad guys are coming in pathogens okay so the first guy i want you to know this guy here so you could just write them down uh, this this is macrophage Sorry, let's see. Macrophage. Okay, so macrophage. I always think of them as Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Why? Because they eat up bacteria. They eat up bad guys. Okay. So this is when Pac-Man has, you know, eat that little um, blue uh, square. Uh, they become a super Pac-Man and they could eat the ghost. Uh, so same thing to so Pac-Man start eat, eating the ghost. As you can see, even this picture, uh, this picture looks just like Pac-Man eating the bacteria. This is called, the process is called phagocytosis, phagocytosis. So eating up bacteria. Again, if you look, uh, if you remember innate respond, innate uh, when we talk about innate, it's not specific. So phagocytosis and macrophage are not specific to a bacteria. It could actually eat your own cells as well. Uh, it could eat any cells, even good cell, bad cell. It could actually swallow them up and then kill it. So these guys are quick to respond. They just eat everything that's actually not you. So they eat good or bad guy. There's a good bacteria. They'll eat good bacteria as well. They'll eat bad bacteria, so they'll eat everyone. Okay. So, but remember the second part of the response here is vasodilation. Vasodilation. So what this macrophage this Pac-Man also does is send information uh, to your blood vessels. So Pac-Man macrophage is usually normally live in a blood vessel, kind of patrolling around. And once they see this cut, they start to come out from the blood vessels first. They're the first responder, so they think of think of them like you know firefighter or the EMT folks. They're they're seen first, folks, and they start eating stuff. They start killing these bacteria. But the second thing they do is they release prostaglandin and nitric oxide. What that does is they actually vasodilate your blood vessel. Why do you think they would need to vasodilate your blood vessels? Well, if you vasodilate your blood vessel, that means you bring more help. You actually bring more infantry. You bring more Pac-Man. You bring more macrophage to help fight these uh, bacteria. The second thing it does is actually cause a leakage. Okay, they cause this water to come out, water to come out from your blood. Okay, uh, and the waters start to seep out like that. Okay, and water does a couple of things. One, 
one, it actually slowed down these bacteria. These water slow down these bacteria, kind of contain it, contain it to one area, doesn't let it spread anywhere else. And from from the human perspective, the way you're gonna see it, we're gonna see it as a swelling. Uh, this is why when you have a cut, just a few minutes later, you actually see the swelling because of this water coming out from your blood vessels to kind of slow down these bacteria. The second thing that it does with this water is also bring help, actually pave the road. Remember, macrophage could go out into the cells very easily, but your other immune system, your leukocytes, your other white blood cells will have a hard time going into the battlefield. So this is the battlefield. So they will have a hard time because it's not like the blood. And actually, they're used to the blood. Majority of your blood is water. So they're used to the blood. By letting the water out, it actually kind of paved the road for them, for them to actually go out and fight these diseases. So it does a couple of things. Like I said, the water uh, slow down the bacteria, but the water also help bring the uh, bring other folks to the to the field. Okay, make it more uh, mobile. Okay, for the other folks. Okay, so let's say the bacteria, the macrophage, can only contain it, can only uh, the bacteria start to multiplying faster than uh, these macrophages are eating them. Okay. Much, much faster than they're actually eating them. So what does macrophage do? Macrophage then send um, information to grab a leukocyte. Okay, grab leukocyte. So this is the second thing that it does, uh, macrophage recognize what kind of problem do we have do if um if we have a bacteria problem okay if we have this is the bacteria problem then they're gonna get what a neutrophil whoa what happened with my writing no so you could note that uh yourself uh, like i'm not sure what happened to my pen uh so neutrophils so n for neutrophil doesn't even want to say n there uh here we go so n for neutrophil uh if it's uh viruses then they would actually use lymph um, lymphocyte okay so just think of uh, lymphocyte is the viruses um so viruses is lymphocyte and um, bacteria is neutrophils, okay? So they would call out the neutrophils, they would call out the lymphocyte based on what these guys are. So in this case, we have a bacteria, so we can actually call the neutrophil guys to come in. Neutrophils are quite interesting. Neutrophil is quite interesting. Neutrophil goes up. You will learn this. Um, just something to remember now. Neutrophil goes up. Level of neutrophil goes up uh, when you have bacterial inf in infection. So when you run those, your differentials, if you're seeing your neutrophil level goes up, that means there's a bacterial infection going on. If your lymphocyte goes up, that means there's virus, uh, viral infection going on. Okay. So something to note. So neutrophil is quite interesting. They are um, what I consider them as a suicide bomber. Suicide bomber. Um, so these folks will come in uh, because who calls them? Yes, macrophage called them. Okay, macrophage call call these folks to come here. So they send signal message, a protein message to call these um, neutrophils to come over. 
But neutrophils, the reason I call them a suicide bomber, sometimes, what, for the most part, they actually kill similar, similarly to, uh, to macrophage. They actually eat them one at a time and then start lysing them with phagocytosis, uh, and breaking them down. But after a few times, what happened is, um, these, uh, neutrophils, what they do is they actually gobble a whole bunch of bacteria up. Will gobble a large amount of bacteria in, inside their body. These guys are pretty big. If you look at uh, microscop microscopically, they are bigger than other uh, other your your other blood cells, your your red blood cell, your platelets. Uh, so they are huge. So they gobble tons and tons of bacteria, and they actually kill themselves. Yes, they kill themselves. So they gather hundreds and hundreds of bacteria, and then they start killing themselves. When they kill themselves, they kill the bacteria too. So this is why I call them a suicide bomber because they uh, would go and just gobble up tons of bacteria, and then they need uh, to kill themselves and to kill the bacteria that inside them. So this is one of the ways they kill the bacteria. Okay, so. Most often time, these two guys kind of hold down the the fort. Uh, most most often time, um, these two guys is kind of hanging there, hold down the fort. You have the macrophages, you have um, neutrophils. Uh, they they're happy, they're good, uh, good team. They uh, hold down the fort pretty well. But let's say let's say in this case, these bacteria just being stubborn. They just cannot go away. You just have to do something to kind of get them go away okay so what macrophage uh, then do next the next step is they call for the brain of the operation they call this the brain of the operation they call dendritic cells dendritic cells so I, I always think of dendritic cell as kind of barbarian okay barbarian folks Okay, so dendritic cell like barbaric folks. So uh, a dendritic cell is called uh, APC, antigen presenting cell. So what does that mean? What is antigen presenting cell? This is the reason I call them barbaric. Because what they do, they actually take one of these bacteria, they kill it. They kill, they kill this bacteria. This one, the, the, all they need is one. They take one bacteria, they kill it, and they torn it into pieces. And they torn it into pieces and they wear it on their head. Okay, they torn it into little pieces around their head. If you think of in like a human term, uh, it's like someone just killed their enemy and they torn, cut their, their enemy into pieces and then wear them, you know, wearing the head. The fingers, the neck, the claw, the hand, the, so they just wear them on their body. Okay. So this is what APC does is actually take one, one little bacteria or viruses, either one, uh, and then they just torn it into little pieces. Uh, and then their job. It's not here, actually. Their job is not there to fight. They do fight every now and then. They could fight these bacteria as well. They could kill some of these bacteria. But their main job is not to fight these bacteria. So what they do is they leave the battlefield. These guys go into the blood, back into the bloodstream, and they travel, okay? They travel for days, okay, for days on end uh, into the bloodstream. 
Okay, and this is where this is where we go into the next part, go into the uh, the third line of defense, uh, which is the adaptive acquire, adaptive or acquire immune system. So now we have the dendritic cells. Uh, Tao usually would take them about two to three days to get to the nearest lymph node, to get to the nearest lymph node. Okay, get to the nearest lymph node. So they would travel. Ooh, look at that, travel a long way uh, with with their little bacteria right here, uh, <clears throat> still hanging around their neck that they kill, and they put it. Uh, it's completely dead. Uh, they put it around their body. Okay, travel to the nearest lymph node. Okay. Uh, the first portion on the outside of the lymph node, what they do find is they will find T cells. They will find uh, what we call naive T cells, or you, you could think of as a virgin T cells or inactive T cells. Okay, little backstory before these guys come to the lymph node, the T cells, the T cell T is for thymus. Okay, you all of your T cells and all of your B cells actually were produced in bone marrow. Both of them were produced in bone marrow in your bone. Okay, your bone marrow produced T cells and B cells. Very important to know. We often ask you where do they made? Uh, where do they made? They made in your T your T cells and B cells were made in your bone marrows. Okay, uh, where does T cells mature? T cell mature in your thymus. T for thymus. So th thymus is a little fat pad right on top of your heart. So uh, thymus is as a little uh, endocrine gland on top of your heart, and that's where they mature. That's where your T cells mature, and then being distributed to the rest of your lymph node in your body. Okay, so your T cells. Think of T cells is like this robot. I compare them to uh, Eve uh, from um, Wally movie. Movie so. So if you have these tons of these T cells uh, lying in the lymph node, inactive, completely inactive, that's why we call them naive because they're inactive, completely inactive. Okay, so uh, so these um, this APC or dendritic cells, same thing, APC, dendritic cells of barbarian, have to do is to go one by one, one by one, to find the right match the right match so what they do is they're going to go and test out to see which one which one of this bug this little bug that the, uh, this guy carry which one would actually fit into a little keyhole in uh, one of these t cells okay only one will match only one will match okay that this has a specific key specific code to it uh, it will not uh, it will not match everyone Okay, this process is called clonal selection. Clonal selection. So clonal selection. The re the term clonal you could see is clone. All of these T cells are cloned, but these T cells, when it clone, is actually have a little bit different key to them. Each one has a think of it has a specific key, like this, like your car. You need a specific key to start your car. This one has specific different keys um, in order. Um, even though they're cloned, but they have different keys. So you have to find a specific one that actually would respond to this bacteria. Okay, so that's a clonal selection. 
So once the APC or dendritic cell, once dendritic cell find the right, uh, right one, right T cells, right naive T cells, once they go and then attach and start the car and voila, um, then, you know, once they activate, activated these T cells, find the right key and become activated. Okay, then you're going to see what we call clonal duplication, okay, or expansion, clonal duplication or expansion. So this little T cell, just one of them, go going to go crazy. They're going to go crazy once you get this them started. Once you activate them, they're going to go crazy. They just start replicating itself uh, over and over and over again. They actually produce millions, hundreds of thousands and millions. So they just keep reproducing itself over and over and over again. Okay, so this is the term clonal selection, clonal expansion, clonal duplication. All of these mean the same thing. That means you have one T cells, one is get activated. Once it's activated, then you start duplicating yourself. You start repeating. You start making the same copy of yourself over and over again until you get to hundreds and hundreds of thousands, okay, or in millions. Okay, the process is not in there, but that's the end of the journey for the dendritic cells. That's all they need to do. So if I ask you, uh, if the question asks, who activate T cells? T-fill activated by dendritic cell or APC, antigen-presenting cell, the barbarian, activate these T-cells. Okay, so what's the difference between naive cells versus active T-cells? Naive cells are inactive. They are not active. They are just um, not working. They're just in a storage, in a, in a lymph node, in a storage, in a lymph node. Okay. The story doesn't end there. Um, so these are T cells, folks. So T cells divided into four groups. Okay, four groups. The first group, okay, the most important group of them all, yes, the most important group of them all, you should know this one. Most important group is the T helper cell, T helper cells, T helper cells. Okay, T helper cell. So what I want you to remember, T helper, T helper cells, which is the uh, the main group that they uh, divided into. Okay, they are like cheerleaders or water boy. Okay, they they all they do is are like nurses. They supporting people. They actually uh, cheering you on. Say don't die. Just keep going. Just keep going. Don't die. Hang in there. Hang in there. You you almost there. Okay. So they support everyone. They support um, every single cells. They support other cells like. Uh, um, neutrophils they support macrophages they support b cells but the most important job of of all of this that you need to remember that these guys activate b cells okay so t helper cells activate b cells a huge key to remember okay so t helper cells they activate b cells Another thing to remember is T helper cells has to do with CD4. T helper cell has to do with CD4. They have a fit CD4 coding um, with them. And this is why, this is very 
reason why people who have HIV and AIDS, the virus attack, which one? They attack CD4. Therefore, they attack CD4 if you don't have T helper cells. If you don't have T helper cells, therefore, you cannot activate B cells. If you cannot activate B cells, therefore, you cannot kill anything that comes into your body. That means you don't have antibodies to kill anything that comes into your body. Everything, you don't have the long lasting um, acquire immunity uh, that you that you could develop because you don't have the B cells. Why don't you have the B cells? Oh, because you don't have the T cells that activate the B cells. So you don't have this Eve uh, to help you around. You don't have the Eve to help support your cells. Your cell will die quicker. Uh, your neutrophils start dying quicker. Your uh, lymph uh, macrophages start to dying quicker. So you don't have these guys to help them out. Okay. So these are water boy. These are nurses. These are uh, folks that activate uh, the B cells. That's a huge thing to remember. And they activate the B cell with uh, MHC2. Uh, major histocompatibility too, uh, something to note and something to remember because a huge thing to remember, okay, that um, MHC2 has to do with T helper cells, help uh, also has to do with activating the B cells. So Eve has a special key now since it's been activated from the dendritic cell, have that special key to go and start a B cell. And that special key is on on the outside of the body, uh, on a little bridge called NHC2. MHC, think of it like a little um, key, um, the the base of the key, uh, where you, you think of old skeleton key, you think of those old skeleton key, okay? Let me draw those, okay? So, old skeleton key. Um, so the MHC2 is this part of the key, okay? Uh, is the the, the the head part of the key, uh, whereas the N is the antigen part, the specific antigen that will fit into um, into the into the B cells that will activate the B cells, okay? So just know that MHC2 major histocompatibility. So all of that means is just the beginning of that key, just the receptor. That's all it is, okay? Fancy term. All it is is just tiny little scepter of that base of the key. That's all it is. That's all you need to know that when we talk about MHC2, think of uh, B cells, think of T helper cells, okay? Uh, T helper cell also divided into three. You have TH1, TH2, and TH17. Those are the ma three main ones. Uh, TH, all of these actually release something called cytokine. Uh, TH1 has to do with inflammation, TNF, which is tumor necrosing factor, tumor necrosing factor. So these guys are killing tumors. Um, anytime you have inflammation, these guys will kind of put it out as well. So it does a, a little bit of killing as well. Uh, also help with viruses and bacteria when they come in. Uh, help TH2 help with allergy and parasites. Uh, they also secrete interleukin and 4, 5, and 13. All of those help fight the allergy and parasite. Uh, TH17, uh, that's also has to do with wound healing and inflammation and fungus. Uh, they have 17, 21, and 22. So 
Okay, all of these, again, think of a big picture. T-helper cells, they're shield leaders. Um, they're just cheering people on. They activate the B cells. They help supporting other people. Every now and then they do, they do help. Um, just some, they're wearing many hats. So sometimes they wear other hats by killing the viruses, bacteria. They help with allergy and parasite and they help with wound healing and fungus as well. Okay, so they have other hats that they wear. But the main hat, just know that they actually activate B cells. Other type of T cells, you have cytotoxic T cells, cytotoxic T cells, uh, regulatory T cells, and memory T cells. So cytotoxic T cell has to do with CD8, CD8. Uh, so CD8, think of major histocompatibility one, MHC1. So these guys are Rambos. So they are assassin, a Rambo, or hitman. So think of them that way. So they would go, just like in the movie uh, Wally, when when Eve uh, start using the gun, start shooting everyone. So these guys, once they are made in the lymph node, they would go back into the the um, the the front line right away. They actually would travel in the blood and travel to the front line and start fighting, uh, start killing those bacteria right away. So they are specifically target. Okay, they are Pacific. It's like macrophages and neutrophil. Those are non-Pacific, but these guys they know exactly who to kill. So they would go and hit those folks. Okay, so they just go with just put a big gun, just go like a big gun, just start killing these bacteria, just uh, Pacific bacteria, just start killing them. Okay, regulatory cell, regulatory T cells. These are like police patrollers. These are actually police uh, patrollers, kind of patrol in your blood, just um, just to make sure that you're not infected, kind of preventing your body to kill itself. So with these guys, uh, with regulatory T cells, really help with autoimmune disease, uh, preventing your immune system, go haywire, go crazy, and start attacking yourself, they kill them first. They kill these folks first. So kind of being a police and making sure that everything is in order, making sure that everything is uh, good to go. And you could see in the picture on the bottom here, uh, they make them a little policeman, okay? So that's the regulatory T cells. Memory T cells, these, I always think of them as spies, so they actually spies in your blood to attack, uh, to see whether any, uh, any of those bad guys pops back up again. If they pops back up, they will kill them right away. So memory T cells uh, kill those folks. Um, same thing that I was just mentioned to you, um, but more in a complex way. If you want to read uh, this way, same thing. But okay, the story is not in there yet. Okay, story continues continues on again. Uh, T cells, where T cells, um, who actually would come and activate B cells. If you're saying T helper cell, you're correct. Yes, very good. So T helper cells actually go deeper inside uh, the lymph node. Okay, go deeper inside the lymph node. So they will travel down. Oh, I meant to change these. Uh, they travel down deeper inside the lymph node. Okay, um, I meant to change these to R2D2. So uh, R2D2s um, quietly sleeping inside your big lymph node, okay? R2D2 uh, is 
um, quietly sleeping inside your lymph node and we call that naive B cells same thing a naive B cells and the same process like the way T cell was activated the um, the, the T cells, these T helper cells, will go each one by one to see whether that MHC2, yes, MHC2, fit into these uh, R2D2s. Okay. Um, again, I meant to change the picture to R2D2. Sorry about that. I'll change that later on. So, so once they, once these T cells uh, find the right R2D2, they go in and activate. And the R2D2 start again to multiply, replicating over and over again, just like the B cells, uh, just like the T cells. Same process happened, same name, uh, clonal selection, clonal duplication, clonal expansion. Okay, so all of those are the same thing. So they start replicating itself, okay, into B cells, many different B cells. Okay, B cell does a little bit different than T cells. T cells make several of uh, of them, right? T cells have different type of T cells. B cells only does one thing. Does one thing. And what they do is they produce antibodies. They produce antibodies. So again, they activate it by who? They threw it by T helper cells with CD4 and MHC2. Very good. MHC2 and CD4. Okay, so B cells activated by T cells, T helper cells. And they produce antibodies. I always compare antibodies are like missiles. Okay, missiles. So R2D2 will produce tons and tons of missiles. How many? Just imagine this. Uh, you actually produce billions of um, billions and billions of antibody in the span of three or four days. Okay, so you produce a whole bunch of these antibodies, not just one or two. We talk about billions and billions loads of antibodies. Okay, there are five of them that you need to know. We will touch on this again, but I'm going to mention it now, and you're going to know it now. It's going to be the same thing. So IgA, IgD, IgE, IgG, and IgM. These are the five Ig immunoglobulin, immunoglobulin. So this is what they made, immunoglobulin. So these missiles. Okay, IgA. Is in your tears, in your breast milk, and usually pass on from your mom. Okay, IgA is from your breast milk, your mom, uh, and your tears. Uh, any liquid, your saliva, all of those uh, the liquidy stuff in your body have IgA in them. Okay, uh, IgD, IgE, uh, IgD. I'm sorry, IgD. We had no clue what IgD is. We discovered it in 1990, 1980s, 1990s, and since then we still have no clue what it does. Um, we test everything, and we like, ah, we don't know what it does. So more likely, we won't test you on your test. So just know IgA, E, G, and M. You don't need to know D. Okay, uh, IgE, E for algae. E for allergy, so E for allergies. Okay, IgG. I the way I remember G is gold. Okay, gold. So it's old infection. Any type of old infection uh, is IgG. So especially now when we talk about coronavirus, uh, if you want to do a serology test to see whether you have IgG, so you have IgG for coronavirus, whether you had them before. If you had them, you will develop IgG. Not always, though. Uh, that's not always. 
uh, some people uh, may not develop IgGs. Uh, sometimes you even you had disease, let's say you had a flu, and you may not develop that IgGs. So when we give you vaccine, our hope is you actually produce IgG. That's the hope. You also could produce IgM. M is for MAC, okay? MAC or acute acute infection. So that means you have that going on now. So let's say someone who actually have COVID-19 and go and just kind of still not truly getting over the symptoms. Uh, let's say you uh, one week or two weeks into it and you still go and test for antibodies. You may see IgM floating around because you still have the disease. You're not truly getting rid of the disease yet. So you have that IgM floating around. Whereas if you had them before, you had like a couple months ago, uh, you might see a lot of IgG floating around. Okay. The memory B cells, that's the other one that, uh, that B cells make is this is uh, the spy again. These kind of prevent the future attacks from happening. Okay, so what happened? Okay, so this is again your your T cells, uh, your T cells, uh, T helper cells activate B cells. Okay, just remember that the T helper cells come in and uh, activate this uh, activate this B cell. Uh, wake up the r2d2 okay so now let's get back to the our front line we get back to our our uh, field uh, okay so you first you have the macrophages trying to uh, hold things tight again you have neutrophils uh, these guys start killing by a minute now we have a cytotoxic t-cell cytotoxic t-cell the rambos okay the rambo of the t-cells come in and help out as well start killing these folks so now we have three folks trying to kill and do the same job, killing these folks. Okay. Um, on top of that, you have the T helper cells, T helper cells here that help support, uh, keep macrophage growing. Uh, like, hey, don't die yet. Just keep going. Just keep going. Okay. Just don't die. Uh, then you have, now you have the B cells come along. You have these activated B cells come in. And what do they produce? They produce antibodies. Yes, they produce these missiles antibodies. Okay, so the antibodies will start uh, hitting. So what happened is, uh, this is just to show you what it looks like. So what the antibody does is actually uh, put it, uh, they, they recognize these bugs because of um, the way they made and how they actually made. Uh, so they recognize these bugs. Um, and they attach themselves on onto the bug itself, onto the bacteria. Once they attach themselves onto the bacteria, it's an easy target for other people to actually kill them. So macrophage are very notable, very known to actually pick up these. Does a couple of things though, antibody. So one, it actually prevents these guys to go into your body, to you into your other cells to replicate. Uh, this is very helpful in terms of uh, viruses. So virus cannot go into your cells to replicate anymore once it actually have these antibody attached onto them. Two, it makes it slow them down, it slow these guys way down, and then it's kind of easy for them to recognize. Think of think of like uh, a duck here, you know, with the cone of shame. Uh, no, I don't like the cone of shame. So the cone of shame kind of just kind of you know uh, kind of stand out everyone notice it 
everyone see it. So everyone could come and kill these bugs very easily. Okay, so they cannot hide anywhere. They're like, oh yeah, I see you right away. You say, I see you from far away. Okay. So now we have tons of uh, antibody floating around, tons of antibody uh, attached on to these uh, bacteria. And now the battles start to shift. Okay, you have these um, these folks start killing, uh, start killing out these bacteria, and then bacteria start dying. Okay, uh, one by one, and eventually uh, the battle is over. Okay, we won the battle. Get rid of all these bacteria. So once the battle, once the battle is over, guess what? Guess what? Um, we this is called clonal deletion clonal deletion so they start dying out they actually start killing itself like you you don't need me anymore everyone else is dead so let's just kill myself i'm just gonna kill everyone else so everyone else left and gone so what you're gonna have left is the memory b cells and the memory t cells that actually are left okay memory t cells and memory b cells okay so this is just the story of the immune system. We, you know, I hope that this story is makes sense to you. Uh, if it does not, I, you know, you want to repeat it again and just trying to understand it. Uh, one thing I do missed, uh, did not cover, uh, was where does, where is B cells actually made? B cell is made in the bone marrow as well, but it, unlike T cell, T cell mature in the thymus. B for bone, so um, B cells mature inside the bone marrow. So B cell mature inside the bone marrows. Okay. So you know, ask yourself as you go through these simple questions as a story about uh, immunology. You know, um, who's the first line of defense uh, when you actually have bacteria comes in? Who comes in first? If you answer uh, macrophage, that's the correct answer. Macrophage. What is the first thing macrophage does aside from eating these bacteria? So you know you ask yourself these questions, uh, and then what what does it do next? What does macrophage do next after uh, release um, his um, nitric oxide and prostaglandin to cut, to bring the water? What's the purpose of the water that they bring in? What does that cause? That cause swelling. Uh, what does it do next? Is actually bring in the leukocytes. Uh, how do they pick the leukocyte? Again, bacteria is for neutrophils, uh, viruses for lymphocytes. Uh, then what's next? Uh, if they cannot control the battle, who do they go to? They call dendritic cell. Dendritic cell comes in, uh, kill one of the bacteria, wear it on their head, and then they head to the next nearest lymph node. Takes a few days to get there. Um, and who does who do they come in touch with? They come in touch with T cells, naive T cells. They activate the naive T cells to become different type of T cells. There are four of them uh, who activate B cells. T helper cell activate B cells. Uh, so as you go through the story, um, kind of repeat that. Ask yourself those questions. Okay. And I cover all of these. I cover these slides um, that you see here, all of them. Clonal diversity, and that means you have different, different, uh, think of it like different um, Eve, 
uh, that needs to be activated. They have different keys to be activated. Same thing with B cells. They have um, R2D2s. They have just different keys to activate them. Uh, so it's uh, it, that's why they call it clonal diversity. Clonal selection. You have to go one by one to find the right uh, the right one um, to to activate. Okay. Uh, we talk about cell-mediated humoral. Uh, we talk about um, majority of these. Uh, you do need to know this. I put a little heart here. You do need to know this uh, difference, uh, differences of CD markers. We talk about CD4, CD8. CD4, again, has to do with T helper cells. CD8 has to do with cytotoxic killer cells. Uh, CD3 are in both. CD4 and CD8, uh, you need to make, you need both of them to make T helper cells. You need CD3, CD4, and then cytotoxic T cell, you need CD3 and CD8 um, to make them. Okay. Um, CD2 and 1, those are, 1 is for the uh, antigen presenting cell for TB, and 2 is for putting the uh, molecules together, kind of tidying them up together. Okay, so we talk about B cells again, same thing. Um, dendritic cells here come in, activate the T cells with MHC2, then T cell, then go activate B cells uh, with that MHC2. Okay, uh, B cells then release anti antibodies right here. Antibody go attach onto the pathogen itself or antigen, uh, so other folks would come in and kill it. Okay. Uh, antibody functions. Uh, there's lots of function. The key terms I want you to remember, and I I will mention this in another video that has to do with blood, um, blood typing. So watch that video but what it does is agglutination agglutination that's mean clumping that's a fancy term of clumping so again if it's uh if you've seen these folks uh you have tons of these folks here right so these folks cannot go anywhere because these antibody actually attach onto them and these antibody uh kind of put them together they actually clumps them together clump these these folks together so that's part of clumping Okay, agglutination. Um, it works really well with bacteria. It works well with antigens, um, including when you when you put someone else's blood into your body. So let's say you you have a type O and you actually put type A into your type O blood, you will get agglutination very easily. Okay. Another thing it does is neutralize uh, the location. Um, you know. Um, neutralize the antigen, uh, so make it stop uh, replicating or um, going into the cells to kill other cells. Okay. We talked about this CD4, CD8, um, cytotoxic T cell versus T helper cells. We talked about this as well subset TH1, T helper 1, T helper 2, and T helper 17. Um, so I explained all these already. So dendritic cells, macrophage, um, antigen presenting cells, those are barbarian, right? Barbaric folks. We talk about T cells, 
different type of T cell, T memory cells, T regulatory cells. We talk about those already. Okay. Let's move on to uh, we also talk about IgA, IgD, IgE, IgG, and IgM. So all that covered. Next one we talk. We haven't talked about this guy. This is called natural killer cells or NK cells. Okay, NK cell or natural killer cells. So natural killer cells they actually work with IgG, IgG. So they, they are part of uh, adaptive or um, adaptive or humoral um, acquire immunity. Okay, so these guys are think of them like a, a hitman. Very specific hitmen. Uh, they actually uh, have uh, specifically killed certain type of cells or certain type of pathogens. Okay, so they specifically kill certain type of pathogen because of these these receptor that they have. Okay, um, they will know the cell that actually caused uh, infected by viruses. They know which cell infected by cancer. So they will actually release uh, things to actually kill um, kill these folks. Um, they release the, the complement um, system uh, activated by the complement system, which we'll talk about that. You're gonna look at that in the other videos as well. Okay. So natural killer cells um, are complement to uh, um, cytotoxic T cells. They complement to cytotoxic T cell. They also uh, work alongside IgG, uh, IgG, to actually help kill stuff. So this is something you should know. Something you should know. So they kind of work on both sides. They work on with the B cells. They also work with the T cells as well. Both. Okay. Okay, let's see. So we're going to talk again, complement system. What I want you to do, and I'm going to post this up on, um, I'm going to post this up on the, um, your website, uh, your announcement, but oh, where did it go? Um, let's see. There's a, a pretty good, um, video on this and actually on both of these if you want to watch them uh, i uh, i actually make it a little shorter but this video is actually really good about complement system you don't need to know very detailed information of the complement system but you just need to know um simple ideas and if you want to kind of rewatch what I just told you, uh, these are a little bit more kind of shorter and even more vague um, regarding the system, but similar actually has a pretty good graphic. You want to look at those. Okay. But that's the complement system. You could watch the YouTube video on that one. Clotting system. I'm going to actually have another video about clotting system. Uh, I'm going to go in a whole lot deeper because a lot of people kind of seem to be struggle with just a simple idea of clotting system. Okay. Kinin has to do with your inflammation, coagulation, blood regulation, and pain perception. Uh, this is something you should know. I would also, um, I would know this page. 
for sure, for sure. I definitely would know this page. Why? Because you will see some of it on in your exam. Okay. Um, you need to know what interleukin 1 is. Uh, it actually causes the fever. Interleukin 10 uh, is anti-inflammatory. Interferons usually is respond to the viral infection. TNF, tumor necrosing factor, has to do with, um, you know, fighting, um, fighting cells that actually become necrosis. Okay. So, you might want to know those information. Chemokine, mast cell, you do need to know different type of mast cells. Uh, mast cell, think of histamine. Remember I mentioned that earlier is part of your innate immunity. Uh, your mast cell uh, is uh, histamine uh, produ production. Uh, and there's different type of histamine. You have H1, uh, has to do with your lungs, uh, bronchi and bronchoconstriction. H2, that's uh, in your stomach, right? Stomach mucosa, you, you talk about H2 blocker. So H2 blocker actually has to do with your stomach acid, mucosa. We're going to cover that again in your GI when we talk with GI. H3 has to do with your neurotransmitter in your brain. H4 um, is has to do with immune response. Okay, just know what each different H are. That would be great. Postacandin, we talk about that a little bit, has to do with uh, leukokine and also induced pain as well. Uh, so it can also induce like vasodilation and other things as well um, that comes along with it. Uh, wound healing has to do with dehissing. Dehissing, that's uh, closing of the wound improperly. You could actually dehiss, causing infection, so sepsis. Um, some of these, again, you could review on your own. Um, pretty easy, straightforward. This one you definitely need to know. You definitely need to know this one. Uh, different type of hypersensitivities reactions. You have type one, two, three, and four. The the mnemonic is acid. Acid. A C I D. Type one has to do with allergies. I G G I G E in not I G E in mediated, meaning that if you're allergic to something, is pretty acute. Uh, if you remember the uh, movie Hitch by Will Smith, his face just popped up uh, because he's allergic to certain things, um, then that's type 1. Uh, type 2 has to do with antibodies. You actually uh, become uh, reactive to antibodies, certain antibodies, like uh, people who have good posture syndrome or hyperacute graft rejection, all of those is cytotoxic. Uh, antibodies. Type 3 has to do with your immune system, IgM, IgG, um, like you have, you know, uh, lupus, you have uh, sickle cells, uh, not sickle cells, sorry, serum sickness, um, polyarthritis, nodosa, all of these uh, has to do with your immune system, like autoimmune disease kind of will go along with type 3, more likely. And last one is type 4 is delay response. So it actually takes a, a few days, take a while before you actually uh, react to it. So that's the real delay response. That's type 4. Okay. Uh, those are just summary of it. Pretty easy. Uh, I would just remember, remember that chart. But the same information here, basically. Uh, just explain a little bit more. But I would just remember that chart and make it easier for you guys. Okay. 
Uh, last part is autoimmune dis disorder. Uh, we're going to talk about this one, ABO type, in a different uh, in the RH system as well, in a different video, and you're going to watch those. Uh, graph rejection, you guys, you know about these, some of these stuff. So, um, to do infections, um, you have incubation, uh, prodromal period invasion, and convalescence. So, four stages of infections. Um, each each disease has different uh, ways of infection from uh, prodom prodomal period, different ways of entering your body. Like let's say you know COVID nineteen, you enter through your nose and your mouth. Um, mechanism of action: how disease actually damages cells, goes down into your lungs, um, kind of attacking your uh, your immune system. Uh, making your immune system work against your own body, attacking yourself, causing your lungs to actually um, to become infected, inflamed, and then you know you also infected with uh, bacteria infection causing pneumonia and that's how you end up in a ventilator and tubication. So different different disease has different things on these. Okay, you definitely know these terms by now: endemic, epidemic, and pandemic. We are the pandemic, like the um, like we're using now. Technically speaking, this is a very sensitive term to CDC and to WHO, World Health Organization. So they don't usually like lightly use the word pandemic unless is you know what we are you know suffering now. Um, even epidemic, that's, that's something they want to avoid as well. So um, endemic is uh, in a smaller population in within the town, a city that's endemic. So, so bacterial infection, usually you have the gram-positive versus gram-negative bacteria, different uh, type of infection. There are good, there are bad bacteria usually. Um, and usually we use a complement system. Uh, basically, what we do is we make holes in the bacteria. We actually create a huge hole in the bacteria, causing all the content to actually come out. Uh, in the video of complements, you will see uh, as one part of it explained about this, causing all the, the contents spill out from the bacteria. A uh, very effective way of actually killing it. Um, so that's the complement system, or one of the complement systems we use. Okay. Uh, there are endotoxin and exotoxin, uh, depending on the type of bacteria that can cause. So, uh, fungal inf infection, uh, these you're definitely going to see. We're going to talk more about it uh, in derm and also in reproductive system as well. Uh, Candida, albicam, we're going to talk more about that. Parasitic infections, lovely stuff like parasite, hookworm, roundworm. I'm going to show you when we talk about GI, talking about some of these parasite, uh, flea, lysis, all the lovely stuff. Viruses, uh, we talk about uh, viruses. Uh, we will get into a little bit more when we get into different strand of viruses, uh, like herpes, um, common cold, flu. So this is uh, this is our nemesis. I always say this that you know we just we are one virus away from wiping half of our population, um, and that's always true. So um, we definitely human human species are very very fragile and 
uh, these viruses uh, mutate all the time. Even COVID-19 that we're ex experiencing, uh, we're not sure how many times it's actually been mutated. So um, at this point, because there's so many symptoms that actually people are experiencing, which is not even funny in comparing to other diseases. Most diseases are pretty straightforward, have one or two symptoms, uh, pretty straightforward. Now we just keep learning more uh, complication and things that actually happen. Okay. Um, so AIDS, we talk about a little bit about AIDS. Uh, AIDS has to do with, again, T-helper cell because it's attacking the CD4. Uh, T-helper cell without T-helper cells, that's when you have no B cells. No, no, no B cells. Uh, when you have no B cells, that means you have no antibodies. Uh, no antibodies, you can't really fight disease. So, um, huge problem, huge problem. Okay. Um, and you guys could review these. Pretty straightforward information. You guys know these before, I'm sure. If you want me to review review them more in detail, let me know during the class and I could cover them more in details. Okay. Last but not least, uh, one quick concept I want to cover and then we are done. Uh, so when we talk about stress, you probably don't know what stress is, none of you, uh, especially you're working, going to school, having family, so you have no clue what stress is all about, right? Um, so stress actually go into different stages different stages that you need to know first stage is called the alarm stage right now all of you probably going through this right now you're going through the alarm stage this is your brand new class uh beginning of the semester you're going through the alarm stage um when you have when you hit the midterm you're gonna get to the resistance stage this is when you start adapting just kind of just kind of mulling along just kind of trying to get through um, keep up all the, with all the work. That's when your cortisol start, to, your adrenaline start to kicks in. You're just gonna on that cruise control kind of stage. After your midterm, after you, I'm sorry, after your final, you're gonna go through the exhaustion stage. You're done. Uh, you are exhausted. Between your, you have a week off between your classes. Um, this is when you're gonna go kaput. You're just gonna sleep all day in your house. So this is the exhaustion state. Okay. Um, so remember this, you're going to see this on your exam, very important to know. Um, Dr. Cellier uh, is, um, has to do with, um, he studies stress uh, quite a bit and how, how we actually respond to st stress. Um, it's not the stress itself because stress itself can be the same, but it's how you respond to your stress goes a long way. If you actually respond it negatively, uh, you actually have tons of diseases. Um, if you res respond it in a positive way, uh, you actually have a much better outlook, less diseases. Stress definitely can kill you. It is one of the things that can kill you. We've seen it in animal kingdom. We they trust that we have scientists who actually test on uh, monkeys and uh, did a whole study of the whole population, a huge study. So and it, it, the results is the same over and over again, that the stress can kill you and you just have to know how to manage stress. It's not because of the stress itself. It's not of the stressors of different type of stressor, but rather of how you cope with those stress, how you deal with them. Positive, a good coping mechanism is always helpful. 
cortisol and immune system. Um, interestingly, uh, if you have high stress, your T1, your uh, T helper cell 1 will actually be suppressed, which means that you have more prone to infection. So your infection will go up. T2, on the other hand, is stimulated. T2 is start killing off things. Uh, you remember your T2, uh, it actually are cytokines. You just respond with a whole, whole lot more things. So this is going to cause you inflammation in your blood. This is causing your um, atherosclerosis, your arteriosclerosis. So your blood will become inflamed all the time. We're going to talk more about that in cardiology. Okay, so that's not good either way. Okay. Other hormones, we'll cover some of these hormones in the endocrine section. And um, I want to know these, like cortisols has to do with your, um, you know, your stress hormone. Um, can release some of these hormones. Um, and we will talk more about these in the endocrine section. I think as we age, um, depending on how you cope with your stress, if you're coping well, then you actually will live longer your skin will look better you look younger if you don't cope too well with stress then you're gonna look a lot worse okay you're gonna have tons of free radicals that damaging your cells your blood uh, you're gonna have higher cholesterol level all kinds of things hypertension you name it obesity um, diabetes so on and so forth and that's it folks. well long long video i'm so sorry but uh, it's a lot of information they're trying to cover so hopefully that helps uh, hopefully it actually makes uh, you understand a little bit better with immunology and make immunology as not as scary as it usually is so um, if you have any questions please let me know thank you for watching again listening uh, click like or click subscribe for new videos have a wonderful day. Hi folks, uh, welcome. This is a video regarding blood typing. Yes, folks, blood typing. For some reason, uh, with blood typing, a lot of students seem to struggle with the concept or the idea, even though it's quite straightforward and quite uh, simple, uh, really simple and straightforward. But I am, I have seen several students actually having a hard time just grabbing the concept of blood typing alone. So hopefully this, this video could actually help you understand what blood typing is and help you uh, perform better when you actually come to those questions, those type of questions regarding blood typing. Okay, before we begin, I just wanted to kind of remind you, uh, ask you also a question, um, how many blood types do we have for human? Take a few seconds. Many of you may say four type, A, B, and O, A, B, you know, A, B, A, B, and O. Uh, in in actuality, that just that just one type, okay? The ABO type, that's just one type. There are about 30 different types of blood types in, in the human, in, uh, on the red blood cells. That's different markers on that red blood cells. 
uh, 30 different markers that we found so far. And those 30 could be various different things. It could do all kinds of things from uh, allergic reactions. Uh, could be just a protein that, uh, you know, destroying the red blood cells when it times uh, a protein that attaching to the oxygen, so on and so forth. So all kinds of stuff that actually on it. Um, so today we're going to talk about two of them. We're going to talk about ABO typing and we're going to talk about RH typing. Okay, so just those two, and those are the one that people usually oftentimes um, have problem with. Okay, so let's talk about ABO type and RH typing. Okay, so uh, first you need to know the differences between antigen versus antibodies. Like I mentioned before, the student oftentimes actually get this two term mixed up. Okay, the antigen versus antibodies. Antigens is the marker, is a foreign, is a marker that's actually on the RBC, is a marker that's on RBC. So that's antigen. Okay, antigen is a marker that's on the RBC itself, on the red blood cells. Antibody is what your body, your B cells actually produce, okay, to against or safeguard from other foreign objects other foreign bodies okay uh, so antibodies are what we use to safeguard um, your body okay so there's vast different between antigen and versus antibodies okay so for people who have type a blood people who have type a blood you have the uh, antigen a you have antigen a on your red blood cells you have antigen a on your red blood cells and you have antibody b in your blood not on a red blood cells but in your blood floating in your blood and it looked like it looked like this okay so okay when you look at the blood type don't look at the letter a here okay technically i just put there so look at the marker different type of markers so the uh the type a and I just pick a shape and a color. The, in actuality, it doesn't have a shape or color like this. But just for your understanding, make it a little easier for you to understand. So type A has this triangle. And I put letter A in here as well. So type A has triangle, look like letter A. And it's purple color. Look at the color. Focus on the color. Okay. So purple color. So type A has A antigen. So A marker on top of the red blood cells okay uh, it has the antibody it has a yellow tip antibody okay this antibody is looking for a marker of the same color if it's the same color they come and attach itself to it so since the type a has a antigen and b antibody so the antibody b so this guy will only look for to attack someone uh, a red blood cell that has a B marker on it only will attack when you see the B marker on this. Okay. So far, so good. I hope so. Type B, you have the antigen B. You have a type B, you have antigen B, and you have antibody A. So it's the opposite. 
Okay, so you have again here, don't look at the big letter here on B, but look at these squares. Okay, you have the B, uh, you have the B blood cells, you have the red blood cells, okay, and you have a marker. The B marker is a square marker and is actually in yellow color. Okay, yellow color. If you notice, if you remember the, from the pre previous slide, the antibody has a yellow color tip. So if you actually put this uh, into the A blood, the yellow tip, the antibody will start attacking this, attach itself to it. Okay, in the B folks, people who have type B, they have B antigen, B antigen, so yellow square is B antigen, and you have the A antibody, antibody A, okay, purple, purple color, okay, purple antibody A. So for type AB, things get interesting. So now type AB, you have both anti antigen for A and B on it, but you don't have any anti antibodies, which is makes sense. If you have any antibody, if you have A antibody or you have B antibodies, those antibodies will start attacking these guys all the time. So this is a normal situation. Normal folks who have an AB blood, you will have the both markers. You have the a marker, which is the antigen A and antigen B, which means that you should not have any antibodies because your body, um, you know, don't don't want to attack itself. You don't want your body to attack itself, so you don't want to have that antibody of A or B floating around. Otherwise, those A or B antibodies will start attacking your own blood cells. So these guys will have antigen. A and antigen B, but no antibodies. Contrary to O, uh, O technically is, doesn't mean O, it actually means nothing. O, just think of a zero instead. So type O, you have no antigen, you have none whatsoever. Therefore, you have both A and B antibodies. So as you can see, nothing around O, nice and smooth, nothing around O. So you have these um, antibodies A and antibody Bs inside it, okay? So far so good? So let's look at some of the example really quick. Okay, so let's say if I give um, AB blood type, now I give AB blood type to an old person. If I give an AB blood type to an old person, what's going to happen? So now if you actually introduce an AB blood type, when you give someone blood, you just give the actual blood. You don't give them the antibody. We take out the plasma, so we take out all the antibodies. So we just give them the core blood so you just give them the AB blood but if you give them the AB blood look at this you have with the AB you have the antibody uh, antigen A and antigen B in it so therefore these antibody recognize that like whoa look at that that's my color so I'm gonna go attach myself to it um, okay I'm gonna go attach myself to that um, so you're going to st now start seeing all these antibody attaching itself 
to it because of those colors matching the uh, antigen and antibody. These colors match, so they go attack. So this process here, we call this agglutination. Agglutination. Agglutination is the fancy word that actually means clumping. Clumping. So when you have these um, red blood cells that actually doesn't belong in that person, you're going to have all these antibody go attach itself onto it, and now you're going to start a process of clumping. You have other red blood cells as well. So you have other AB and have all these antibody clumps together, make it a little clot. So this could lead to organ failure because now you're actually having clots everywhere in your bodies. So you start um, blocking blood, blocking your normal blood to go to your organs, different organs. So you're going to start seeing organ failures and you could lead to death. Amazingly speaking, uh, we just found out about this blood typing thing uh, in the past uh, a little bit less than a hundred years ago. Just a short a shot of 100 years ago. Imagine we didn't know about this before, before 19, I believe, 1950, 1960. Before then, we didn't know anything about blood typing. So we've been giving people different blood in World War I, World War II, and we were like, hmm, we gave you blood. Why did you die? Why do you still have organ failure? Interesting. Until recently, not too recent, but uh, within the past 50, 60 years, 70 years ago, we then developed these understanding, well, you need to give the blood to the right person. Uh, otherwise, you're going to cause these agglutination, clumping, and cause your organ to fail. Okay. Another example. Here we go. Let's say if I give you an O blood to an A person. So A person has antibody B in them. Remember, you have antibody B, but antigen A, antigen A, antibody B. So if I give you an O blood, which doesn't have any antigen, doesn't have any, any antigen whatsoever. Therefore, these antibodies, once they actually react to it, they go, whoop, nope, there's nothing I could attach. Whoop, there's nothing I could do. So the old blood is fine, completely fine. Um, so you could give an old blood to an A person, and A person will be would be able to take that old blood pretty easily. Okay. Now we're going to look at all of these same concepts, but donor versus recipient. Donor versus recipient. So let's talk about recipient first. So type A, type A blood. Again, A has the A antigen, B antibodies, A antigen, B antibodies. Whose blood can they receive? So type A person, can they receive a B blood? If you receive a B blood, these antibody will start attacking. Remember, same color. That's going to start attacking. So you cannot get the B blood. Okay, if I have, if I come about the A blood, well, the A definitely can give to one another, could, could receive to one another because it's the same blood. So perfectly fine there. Okay, how about AB? If you look at again the color, the yellow color here is a yellow. Here is a yellow. If I uh, if I receive an AB, these will start attacking itself, so it actually will agglutinate. So no AB. 
And O, uh, since there's no antigen on O, completely none, therefore is is fine to receive an O blood. On the opposite idea concept-wise, now who can A give their blood to? Who can A give their blood to? Can they give it to B? Well, B has what type of antibodies? B has A antibodies floating around. So if you give them A antigen, they will attack. So no, no. Can you give an A to an A? Yes, definitely you could give A to an A. Can you give it to AB? Well, not exactly because of this. Uh, actually, you can give, yes, you can give it to AB. Remember, AB does not have antibodies. AB do not have antibodies. So you could donate your blood to type A blood to AB, and AB will just be fine because AB does not have antibodies. So you could give this little guy here with antigen A to it, and then they should be fine. How about O? O has both antibody A and B. So you cannot give that to O. Okay, same thing for B. Now we're gonna look at the same thing for recipient. Can can B receive B blood? The answer is yes, definitely same blood. Can B receive A blood? The answer is no, because of these antibodies will attack these antigen. Can they receive A B again? The answer is no, because of this antibody, A antibody will attack that A antigen. Can they receive O blood? Most definitely. So you could receive an O blood because O does not have any antigen on them. Okay. Now B, can B donate to B itself? Definitely you could donate to B. Can B donated to A? No siree, uh, because of the antibody, B antibody that's inside. So when we talk about donating, you need to think about antibodies. Uh, the person who's receiving it, what kind of antibodies do they have? Since they have the B antibodies, uh, these antibodies will attack these antigen. Okay. Um, AB, can they donate to AB? Most definitely, because AB does not have any antibodies at all. And can they no donate to O? The answer is no. Oh, no. So because O has B antibodies and A antibodies as well. So, okay. For AB, who can they receive the blood from? Can they receive it from B? Since AB does not have any antibodies, so they could just receive blood from every one of them. Okay, because they don't have any antibodies whatsoever, so they could receive whatever blood, and there won't be any attack because they don't have any antibodies. So this is why AB is a uni universal recipient. Universal recipient. So they could receive anyone's blood, okay, completely. Okay, so A, B, can they donate to anyone at all? Well, the answer, not exactly, because everyone has the antigen A and B. Okay, so B, no, because they have antib antibody A in them. We'll attack this guy here. Can they donate it to A? Nope. 
A has antibody B that which would attack this guy here. Can they donate to themselves? Obviously, they could donate to themselves. Can they no donate it to O? The answer is no, because you have both A and B antibodies. This is, the, this is the worst case situation as well. So if you give an AB blood to an O, uh, they have both antibodies. So both of them will start attacking these things, these uh, antigens. So it's going to cause that clotting really, really quick and fast. Uh, type O recipient, who can type O receive? They could receive just about, oh, not everyone, because remember O has all these antibodies in them, has all these antibodies in them, so they cannot receive from a lot of people, okay? They, on, they could only receive with O. Uh, o could receive O only. Uh, they, they cannot rec uh, receive anyone else because everyone else has all these antigen on them. So when we talk about recipient, think of antigen. What kind of antigen did they have? Um, can O rece uh, receive from these folks? What kind of antigen do they have? If they have uh, antigen that will react to these antibodies, they cannot get it. Can they donate to any anyone? Well, they could donate to almost everyone because um, they don't have any anti antigen around a body. Okay, they don't have any antigen around the body, so they could donate to just about anyone on here. Okay, they just donate pretty easily. Okay. Now we're going to talk quickly about RH factor. RH factor. Um, RH factor, similarly, very similar to what we just covered with the blood, uh, with the blood type, ABO type. Uh, so RH positive, positive means that you have an RH antigen. Positive means you have an RH antigen. And negative means you don't have an RH antigen. Okay, if you have an Rh antigen, then you have no Rh antibodies. So Rh positive, that you don't have any Rh antibodies. But when you are Rh negative, that means you don't have an antigen. Therefore, you have an Rh antibody floating around. Rh antibody like these floating around. Okay, so remember one quick thing. Uh, majority of people, 75 to 85 percent of people in the world, is Rh positive. Rh positive. Only a few folks, a very small handful, 15 percent, 15 to 25 percent, is Rh negative. Okay, so very few folks that Rh negative. So majority of you, if you actually have a Rh negative blood, that means you have a really rare blood. Um, if you have a Rh positive blood that's very common blood so the rarest blood would be the ab negative ab negative that's the that's the rarest blood okay rarest blood again donor recipient same ideas with the with the ab abo typing Okay, so if I have a Rh positive person, Rh positive person, can an Rh positive person receive from Rh positive? The answer is yes, it's because they don't have any antibodies. 
they don't have any antibodies. Can they receive from RH negative? Yes, again, uh, because RH negative doesn't have any antigen on it. Okay, we could just receive it right away. Okay, so remember, if you're positive, you could receive either positive or negative. But if you're negative, you could only receive when you are negative. Can, can, who, who can they donate to? RH positive could only donate to RH positive. They cannot donate to RH negative. Okay, RH negative blood, can they receive blood from positive? No, they could only receive blood from the negative. So recipient for the RH, remember, R is positive. Positive, they just positively free. They could freely receive blood from anyone, positive or negative. They'll take it. They'll take it all. Just take it all. Okay. Uh, whereas negative, only, only since they're so negative, they just want to get the same one, the same person. So R H negative only. Okay. So. Last one is donor, RH negative donor. Can who can they donate it to? They could donate to the positive. Yes, they could also donate to the negative as well. Okay. Um, okay. So hopefully you uh, this kind of clears up a little a little bit, help you understand a little bit better with ABO typing, and and also RH positive and negative. Okay. We will do a little exercise in class to actually hopefully help you understand more of these but before one last thing this is something that you will be doing uh, more likely uh, so kind of good to get familiar with this okay um, this is testing the blood to see what type of blood type do you have it's the same concept that we've been doing same concept that you see before just kind of putting it together Okay, putting all of these together. So first, place a sample of blood in all three uh, circles. So you could, we could do this by finger poke, or you could do it from blood draw, and then you just drop the blood into these three circular test kit. Okay, so just like this. Okay, just dropping the blood off in three circle. Here we go. Okay, the next step then require you to put the solution, different solution, onto each circle. The first circle is we call it anti-A, anti-A. So that solution, what that solution is, is just the antibody A. We're just dropping antibodies A in it like this. Okay, we're just dropping a few drops of antibody A. Uh, Anti-B is we just dropping the few drops of antibody B and anti-RH or sometimes they call it D, anti-D is the antibody of the RH antibodies. Okay, again we're putting antibodies in these, so antibodies, so we're, we're looking for agglutination, we're looking for clumping. Okay, and this is plain and simple, whichever clumps, whichever clumps is positive for that one. So if A clumps, then is anti-A clumps, that means this guy is an A. If an RH clumps, that means this is positive. So it RH pos uh, A positive. Okay, so plain and simple. So if it's clump, it's positive 
for that one. If anti B comes, that's mean is B, okay? Like this one, if A and B clumps, if A and B clumps, that's mean is AB, and then RH is nice and smooth, that's mean is AB negative, okay? AB negative. So if none of these clumps, if none of these clumps, if all, all of these are nice and smooth, then it would be O negative. Okay, but this one you have two smooth and one clump. This is one of the more most common blood uh, in the world. This is the O positive folks. These are O positive. You have smooth, smooth. So therefore, it's an O because if it's clumped, that would be an A. This clump would be an AB. If both of these clump, that would be AB. Uh, if this clump would be a B. And if this clump is positive, it's, it's nice and smooth, it's negative, okay? So let's see, let's see what you come up with, okay? How about this one? Okay, take a few seconds to look at it and see what you come up with, okay? So you could see this is clump, this is nice and smooth, this is nice and smooth, therefore this is a negative, A negative. So this is A positive. We have clump positive here, so it's A. Uh, D is nice and smooth, therefore it's negative. Okay. To to think about how this actually works, if you actually let's say this, we know this guy is A negative. Okay. So therefore, just think of A first. Let's let's think about in terms of A. Just look at these two circles. Okay, look, look at these two circles. So A, if it, you have a blood A here, remember blood A has what type of antigen? It has A antigen, but has what type of antibodies? Have a B antibodies in it, right? Has B antibodies in it. So if we were to just drop in, drop, remember anti-A, we drop in the antibody A into this circle, so the antibody A will actually clumps attach itself onto the antigen A that this guy has, antigen A, right? So therefore, you're going to see the clump. For this B part, since the A type already have anti antibody Bs, by adding more antibodies B into it, it will not cause it to clump, okay? Will not cause it to clump. So it's going to be, that's why it's A, because you put it and anti antibody A's in it. The antibody A will then attack the antigen A, cause it to clump. So normally you don't have anti antibody A in your A blood. So your blood is never going to clump unless when you put antibody A into it, then the blood start to clump. So anti, anti D, same thing. Uh, normally, with uh, a uh, with the negative, if you have Rh negative, you don't have the antigen. You don't have the Rh antigen on it, but you have the antibody in it. So when when we put anti more antibody of Rh factor, it's nice and smooth. You're just adding more R uh, ant antibodies in it. Um, therefore, you're not gonna clump up. How about this one? The first circle, the A, no, nice and smooth. The B is clumping, 
and the RH also clumping. Okay, this guy is, yes, B positive. You should be positive. B positively free. Okay, so B positive. So again, same ideas. If you put B blood in, in these two, B has B antigen and A antibodies. You have B antigen and A antibodies. So in the first slide, in the first slot here, you put more A antibodies in it, which B blood already have eight antibodies. So they're not going to clump. Nothing will, will work. Nothing's going on. But when on this one, you put antibody B, if you are B, you don't have a B antibody. So when you put antibody B in it, it starts clumping. Okay. Same thing with RH. This one is RH positive. So RH positive uh, have the antigen, but no antibody. So when we add the ant RH antibodies into it, it starts attacking that antigen and then start clumping. Okay. I hope this helped understand a little bit better about the ABO type and RH factor as well. Uh, thank you for listening and please uh, write some comment down below uh, if you have any questions or, and also subscribe as well so any more new videos come out you could follow them. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day.